What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Uh, didn't know if we'd be recording this weekend, but it kind of seems like Kentucky uh, couldn't go a few days without having some news. So we'll be back at it uh, here on a Sunday episode. Yeah, Sunday episode of Kentucky Daily that is now powered by Blue Wire Pods. So I know we're both excited about that. It's the first official day that we're with Blue Wire. So uh, expect this podcast to continue moving forward into the future here. Also expect the Butcher's Pub to continue moving forward, Derek, before we get started here. I do have a date for the location in London. April 15th is the scheduled date for the third location of the Butcher's Pub. So two one in Williamsburg, one in Palmville, and then the third one in London on April 15th. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check out those Facebook pages for more information. Uh, speaking of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it doesn't matter where you've been the last 24 hours. By now that you know Cameron Fletcher has officially entered the transfer portal. UK confirmed that with a press release about an hour after reports started going around. Derek, it's something that we both knew. I think all of us knew, not just us. All these listeners knew it was coming. And then we kind of knew what it was going to be when they played South Carolina and got up big. We, we knew that was his send-off, so they could get some film. Everything could look, you know, okay, okay and wrap it up with a big bow. Uh, hope the best for Cameron, but this this has been there since December. We all expected this to happen at some point. Yeah, no question. Uh, easily the least um, surprising news uh, of any of the guys who we're talking about in terms of roster construction for next year. Under no scenario did either of us expect Cameron Fletcher to be back next season. Um, I will say I thought it was handled pretty well, uh, considering how how things were going back in December. We hopped on here. I remember that day he got uh, suspended. We hopped on here, had a little breaking news episode type thing. And I I think whether I said it on air or not, I definitely think I told you. I didn't expect him to come back at all, and he did. And kudos to him. Because the narrative, Sean, coming out of this thing, at least from that press release um, and, and from the comments that Calipari has made over the last few weeks, is Cameron came back, did the things he was supposed to do, and even though he played basically none of the second half of the season, he was a good teammate, did the things that was asked of him, and now as he goes into the transfer portal, he has the narrative around him that he's a better teammate, he's grown up a lot, and probably the biggest difference now versus what would have happened had he not come back, I think, is that Calipari probably will put in a pretty good word for him yeah. wherever he goes. So I think Cameron ended up in a better situation by coming back. Obviously, he didn't play. I mean, he played, what, maybe three, four minutes the whole season after uh, he got yeah. back? Yeah. Something like that. But it was good uh, for both sides, I would say, because Calipari got a lot of criticism with how he handled that situation. Well, and honestly, that was the comments. When I posted, you know, I posted his thoughts – 
I posted Cal's thoughts, and I posted the original story. And every, like 80% of the comment, it was not negative towards Cameron Fletcher. It was negative towards go play somewhere where you can play, which uh, Calipari kind of fell on the sword in this situation. Uh, I will say this. I'll read what Fletcher had to say. He said, although this season did not go the way any of us wanted to, being a part of the Kentucky men's basketball program has been a great experience. I would like to thank all of my coaches and teammates, and especially the Big Blue Nation, for making my time here so special. I grew so much this season, not only on the court, but as a man, and I'll be forever thankful for this opportunity. However, with careful thought and consideration, my family and I have decided it is in my best interest to explore other options and enter my name into the transfer portal. So got the send-off that way, and then Cal, of course, followed it with Cam came here. Cam, Cam came so far as a teammate and as a player this season. He improved in all areas, and I wish he would have had more opportunities to show everything he worked on. He matured as a person this season, and I know he will have great success in whatever path he chooses. I support his decision, and I will do anything to help him with his career. So you're right, Derek. That was the way that it kind of got wrapped up the last three months. It was a much better look not only for Cameron Fletcher, and it was a much better look for, I guess, John Calipari and the Kentucky program, too, that it didn't just end the way it was in, in December. It ended on a good note. Uh, but we also knew that Cameron Fletcher returned to Kentucky to eventually get to do this. I think that was the message in December, honestly. Exactly. That's what I was going to follow up with is uh, I think Cameron knew when he came back that he was going to be, in terms of on-court helping the program, he was not going to have a role in doing that anymore, um, or very minimally. Like he got in at Missouri because of extreme foul trouble, um, got in at – South Carolina, when they were up big, he got to play a little bit there at the end of the year. But And he even got in against uh, Mississippi State for the last minute of the first half the other day. But um, He made a start. Think about that. Second game of the year, yeah. Against Richmond. And after that Moorhead State game, you and I went on this podcast and kind of was like, that's the kid we weren't talking about. But that was it, very short -lived. it was very short-lived. <laughs> and then things started quickly changing. Uh, according to the U.K. release, it says he appeared in eight games. I saw someone else say they appeared in nine games. But, so it was somewhere in that range. Yeah, eight, out of 20, eight or nine out of 25. So, yeah, I mean, he – but he only missed the Louisville game, right? Yes. Or was he gone from Mississippi State, too? I think he was back for that one. Okay. What, wait, did he miss a game at all? Or did he just go home for that week and come back before they played Louisville? Do you remember? I don't think he was there for the Louisville game. Um, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah, he definitely – the suspension definitely came, what, right after North Carolina? Yeah, he Monday, Monday. Monday. And they announced yeah. it on Monday. So I think maybe he did come back. That, yeah, it, he, I don't think he was there for that game. That if, is a long season, right? Yeah. <laughs> go back and think about stuff like that. If he truly – and I have no reason, I guess, just to doubt what they're saying. Uh, I just think this turned out to be – to make Cal look pretty pretty good based off of how things happened back in December. Um, but it, it is good for Cam, too, though. If you, and here's the thing, too. We should probably add, at least I never – maybe you heard stuff off air or whatever that, that I didn't. I never heard exactly what it was that got Cameron Fletcher in trouble. I'm sure it wasn't just one thing. Whatever those things were, I assume, didn't happen uh, once he came back again. So if he did truly grow in that area, th then good for him because that'll be something he can take with him. Um, regardless, do you have any, you have any thoughts on where he might end up? 
I think he's probably a power five player, and he's so young that, like we talked about the pandemic, he still will have four years left. So it's kind of like he's just doing the recruitment all over again. St. Louis kid, right? I mean, that's yep, where he's St. from. Louis. If he's not power five, could you see him landing at a place like St. Louis? Could you see him landing at a place like Creighton, one of those programs? I know I, I threw out Nebraska to you, just throwing out that part of the country uh, geographically. I don't see him landing at another SEC school. Maybe I mean, I'm just going off of location. Who are some of the other schools that were in his recruitment? Do you remember? A great question. Because maybe you could look at some of those if there was a relationship there. I'm just thinking St. Louis area. That's probably a good bet. Whoever he was, you know, that's typically how it grows on all these recruitments. Normally you don't have a kid, unless they're from a a real small school or whatever, you don't normally have a kid going to the portal and just flat out go somewhere where they have no prior relationship. I mean, think about Storm Murphy from Wofford who just went into the portal last night. He commenced to Virginia Tech where uh, Mike Young is now. They've coached him formally. It looks like the other crystal ball pick he got was to Michigan State. Um, I don't see that being a fit, honestly. But some of the other schools that he had offers from, Alabama, Arkansas, Creighton, a school that you mentioned. Um, DePaul. DePaul's probably going to have a new coach. I don't know if he wants to wait that long to see who it is. But perhaps with Dwayne Peavy there, there turns out to be some kind of U.K. tie. Um, Illinois, Iowa. I don't see him fitting in at Iowa. (laughs) Just his game. He's not much of a shooter, at least from what we've seen. Iowa State's probably going to have a new coach. So, I mean, you can go up and down. He had a lot of offers. I mean, the kid, like most recruits who come to Kentucky, I mean, had offers from pretty much anywhere. Yeah, I think he's going to end up in a – I could see St. Louis. I think he'll still get another chance at a Power 5 school or, or Power 6, whatever they call it in basketball. Because Creighton in the Big East, I mean, that's a power conference. So, and I will an add- interesting one. Or Nebraska, too, because Fred Hoiberg. Yep. Not many – that's many guys love transfers. Uh Maybe Eric Musselman loves transfers just as much as uh, Fred Hoiberg, but that's a school that's down on talent, could probably use that boost in terms of excitement. And, but here's the thing, Sean. If someone was to – let's say wherever he commits, let's say a reporter reaches out to you and says, you know, what What should we know about Cameron Fletcher's game? What would you tell him? I don't know what I would know what to tell somebody because we just didn't really see enough of him to, to really know, I think, what he could, could do. Didn't see anything. The only thing you could go off of would be reputation with a, a high motor. Yeah. That's the only thing that you could go off of, right? Because that's what he was kind of built into. And that's what I was actually going to transition to with this topic. Derek, had that not happened in December, I still think we'd be right here today in March. I, I just think still that, leaving. Yes. Yeah. I just think that looking at how he fit, there were questions about him coming to Kentucky when he did come to Kentucky. Like There were questions about him fitting in with the program and the way John Calipari likes to do things. And then we're just talking off of the bodies that they have coming in. I mean, I've been big on Bryce Hopkins for days now. Like I've been, te- I've been, I sent you highlights yesterday. <laughs> for days. Yeah. Well, yes. I like how you phrase that. That what's true. I'm the I, same I, way though, man. That's a good point. Like I don't know that any of us, and maybe you know, maybe we should let the kid perform first before saying this. But I'm kind of the same way you were that like when he committed, it was just kind of yeah, it was like kind of just like ho hum, like another guy committed. But he he's a big, strong kid. It looks like he moves pretty well. Um, how, how, how much highlights of him have had you watched until like I didn't watch any basically none. No. Yeah, I mean, see that's me. Like I didn't watch any until I sent those to you yesterday, and then you even came out and said that does he remind you of PJ Washington? And in the way he plays and his body, yes, a lot. I I was doing Alex Poitras because you don't see guys that size move the way he does, and it's powerful. But also, I, I want to say that, like Derek said, 
after what just happened to us this season when it comes to making predictions, <laughs> I don't even think that I'll predict them to even play in the SEC tournament next year. I won't even get that far. Like, I'm not even going to move into it making oh, predictions. We'll see about that come <laughs> October. We'll see. Where oh, uh, but, no, just given where he was in the roster position, I think position hurt him. Uh, if he had been able to shoot the ball, Consistently, I think that there might have been something there. But when you're talking Bryce Hopkins, Damian Collins, maybe Keon Brooks, we just we still got to wait and see who decides to return, who decides not to return. Don't want to get too far ahead. Oscar, I mean, there, there's a lot of bodies right there that you kind of don't know what to do with a guy like Fletcher. And I think, honestly, Fletcher's in a situation, Derek, where he can go be a freshman again somewhere. Like, he gets that year back. Like, this, this doesn't even matter. We could probably go down a, a long topic with this, but it kind of comes back to like what you were saying. The day he committed, there were people who were wondering why he committed to UK. Yeah, not, not as highly ranked as a lot of guys. He was uh, in his class. It looks like he was ranked sixty. I'm going back to his profile right now. Eighty fifth on on our rankings at twenty four seven. Seventieth in the composite. But it comes oh. back to having the idea if. You know, when he committed, he was thought to be a multi-year player. Yeah. But here we are going into the sophomore year. What are we saying? Just don't know where he was going to fit Just with all these bodies. Just going to fit, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like, how do we feel about that? And obviously this is, I mean, he had the off-court, we could say off-court or on-court, whatever it was. He was suspended. I mean, that he's he's different in that scenario. But what if it was just a kid who, who would say he didn't have any suspensions, let's say he didn't have any off-court stuff. It's just purely his, his playing style. Where would he fit in next year's team? Like I'm with you on that. I just like you said, even if nothing happened in December, I'm, I'm right where you are. I don't know that he would be someone I would think of as a rotation player next year. And, and so that's started, the tricky thing about doing this thing, the way that they're doing it. And he started against Richmond because, if you remember correctly, Cal was pissed at that team, even going into the Moorhead State game. Like that was the week before the week before when they had the Sunday scrimmage where he was mad kind of at everyone, and I think he mm-hmm. was just going off of that game and maybe some effort and practice probably should have looked at that that night, Derek, kind of as a foreshadowing of exactly what was to come with a 9-15, year. Because when Cameron Fletcher broke into the starting lineup in game two, I, now looking back on it, I think that, was a, that wasn't good. What uh, Was it the Notre Dame game that pretty much ended Fletcher's time at UK? When he got lost he on came in on like four straight threes. Like as soon as he came in the game, Notre Dame went on a huge run. That was pretty much the last – we saw him, and if you were counting on him for – well, actually, I shouldn't say that because I don't – how many minutes did he play in North Carolina? It wasn't much. Yeah, it was It was fewer minutes he, that game. He gave up the. He gave up a huge rebound there in the final four minutes of the game where it was still – the game was still to be decided, and that's when he went to the bench. I think Cal got on to him, and then that's what led to whatever happened on the bench. We will never know what happened on that bench. But all we know is he got sent home for a week, and now he's he's back home, and he's going to try to figure out where he goes next. And Kentucky will try to figure out where they go next. I don't think this is this isn't a uh, this isn't a move that's going to be earth shattering to the UK no. basketball program. It's obviously created a lot of news this weekend. Like website traffic has been huge from this. I sent you that this morning. I said I did not expect <laughs> this, but that's just what what's just what we're used to now, right? Kentucky basketball offseason almost generates more traffic than the regular season. Yeah, and I'll be curious to see how 
I mean, I, I don't know how much of the timeline I was expecting for some of these things to happen. That happened pretty quick, though. I mean, that was two days after the season ended, or basically only one full day. Season ends Thursday after, yeah, Thursday afternoon, and then by Saturday morning. And I think I think schools happen until like forty eight hours or so afterwards to to actually update it. So I mean, maybe that was planned all along. So whenever the last game was, like twenty four hours after, is when he was able to officially yeah. uh, go in there. But we do wish Cameron uh, absolutely. The best of luck. I really don't recall interviewing him at all. I think he – obviously he was a part of the preseason stuff, but that's just kind of how the pandemic year made this thing. You just didn't really see many guys. Um, I've not heard any kind of rumblings on anybody else when, when things might happen. Uh, it doesn't seem like in terms of potential incoming transfers, it doesn't seem like Justin Powell has is on is in a hurry based on the interview that he gave the 24-7. I mean, a lot of the schools he's considering, the, the season's still going. Changed pretty quickly, uh, though, right? Because when we first talked about the other day, it looked like things were moving pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe with UK's sake, maybe if, if Kentucky or, or Louisville even, I know those are the two teams a lot of people are – or put piecing together, perhaps he wants to wants to wait and see how UK's roster might look next year. I don't I don't know that. I'm just speculating because probably in terms of all the teams he is considering, I think Kentucky is probably going to have more roster turnover than any of the others. So perhaps he's waiting to see. But I, I also view him though as the kind of kid that no matter who comes back, based on the recruits coming in, which would be pretty much nobody at his position, I would think it shouldn't really affect him that much. But again, I don't know. He might he might want to see. I don't know Virginia, some of these other schools that are recruiting him. Perhaps he wants to wait and, and, and wait until then. But I don't know. Basically, is what I'm saying on uh, on Justin Powell. Whenever but he's going to be at this point in the transfer portal, he's he's for sure the top guy that you would think has been associated with UK. And and then even with draft decisions, again, I don't know that there's any kind of rush for that yeah. at this point. Um, maybe a guy like Isaiah Jackson, who you know is leaving. Uh, we'll decide to do that or, or Terrence Clark or somebody else. But I don't know, Sean. I will say this. I think probably with a guy like – wouldn't you ex- expect to hear from Davion Mintz pretty soon? I think so. I don't, I don't think he's the kind of guy that needs to be waiting for – I just don't know why he would – How, how do you think that they'll – UK does a very good job lining things up. They They line it up to where you don't just – to me, when it comes to decisions, you don't just get the decisions that – it's not good for the current roster and team. Like, they, they, they win the offseason, Derek. Like, we talk about it with U.K. football all the time. U.K. basketball does the exact same thing. Like, do they line this up to where they let kind of – I mean, all these guys are making their decisions at their own pace, but do they come down to the thing where it's kind of a some guys are ready to make it, maybe a guy decides to leave, maybe a guy decides to come back, and they kind of balance that out with decisions in a week. Yeah. And that way it's not just leave, 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 leave. Yeah, because I think it, if you get yeah. that this year, it's going <laughs> to yeah. melt down. Yeah, I think some good PR acumen would be smart uh, on this stuff. That's a good point uh, because it does seem like, at least for NBA decisions, it didn't it used to seem like, like every single day for like a week someone would decide or whatever. It's kind of unless you have the 2015 press conference where Cal just told eight guys to stand up, <laughs> say that they're leaving. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think that's how it'll be. Um, yeah, Mets just see. I mean, Sar. I don't think anyone's expecting to come back. So I mean, I guess just given the day and age and the fact that with COVID he will have an extra year if he chooses, I, I, he'll probably have some kind of announcement. But I don't believe anybody is expecting him to be on next year's team. I think it's fully expected he will he will move on. But with Mets, 
Mets will be a decision that I think one way or the other will be uh, will be pretty heavily discussed because uh, just the fact that he, you know, Sar hasn't been discussed at all. Whereas Mintz, there's been stories written. His his father has been on record yeah. talking about getting his master. So his his will be one that has some weight to it. So yeah, maybe they'll try to throw that in there. I mean, I think at this point, if he if he knew, I'd say I'd say run it tomorrow. <laughs> if you knew he'd be coming back, just anything to to kind of get people excited. And, and probably if you want to try to stay, I don't know how much UK cares about this in a year like this, but here in, uh, I don't know, Sean, what time does the selection show start? 6 p.m., 6.30? Oh, I actually forgot all about that. Yeah, so selection Sunday is right around the time we're recording this. Kentucky will be mentioned, as with Duke, most likely in a negative light where they're, both those teams won't be in the tournament for the first time since 76, I believe. Does UK want to try to get out ahead and say, well, you know what, we're not going to be in the news this week, but perhaps if we have some big uh, have some big announcements, some guys want to come back, perhaps that will uh, get people talking about us still. Do you, do you see that being anything, or do you think they just won't care in a year like this? The next three weeks, UK will still dominate a lot of the, the talk. There's going to be game talk, but as far as off the court, nothing happening presently on the basketball floor – you're going to see John Calipari releasing a lot of statements, I think. Now, that's just that's just my prediction. I think that they'll find a way to keep themselves in the news and then go all the way through April. How many times have we seen it, even when they're not in the Final Four, there's still something being talked about, Kentucky basketball? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the challenge. But I th- also think that Cal has kind of taken this weekend and kind of just decompressed, and he needed to. I think he needed to clear his mind and things because this is a huge offseason. I mean, we're talking – Given 30 years, I mean, obviously, when when Billy Gillespie got fired, when you're talking firing a coach at Kentucky, it's a huge off season. But it was kind of it was kind of fixed in a couple of weeks, Derek. When it when it came to John Calipari, you knew it was kind of going to be an instant fix when it comes to talent with recruiting. Yeah. This just feels different, though. I mean, this is this was a bad season, and probably have to go back to the Patino like hire, right, as, as being one of the big bigger off seasons when it comes. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Onto this, which I wasn't even around when that happened. So I mean, it would take older Kentucky fans to tell us what that was like. I would be interested in knowing what some people think that have lived through all of it to decide how big is this offseason and in their mindset as a fan compared to 30 years ago. But it's certainly a big one. Uh, we wanted to cover all the basketball topics. Eric, that pretty much covers everything right now that we know on the U.K. basketball front. But we do have some football topics and also want to get your thoughts on LSU Alabama in the SEC Championship. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Okay.
Yeah, LSU Alabama was was my I told you this on text. My favorite basketball game I've watched since 2019, since the pen. Or I'm sorry, going back to last uh, years. It's the best game I watched this year. I guess is the best way to put it. It's really a shame. Uh, which Alabama fans, to their credit, made a lot of noise today from what I could hear on the TV in Nashville. It's a shame that that game did not have the full SEC tournament Nashville experience because that was the most fun basketball game I've watched in college in a year this season. Uh, back and forth, really good, two really good teams going at it. I mean, Alabama, a historic season, Sean. I mean, to, to win the SEC regular season and then also win the, the conference tournament, that, that is hard to do in a power conference. And Alabama went right through with Nate Oates. They did that this year. Herb Jones made some big plays. But Trinidad Watford, um, Javante Smart, the infamous Javante Smart, and uh, also Cam Thomas, a, a great freshman at LSU. That, those, both those teams seem very uh, – I don't want to say hit or miss because Alabama deserves more respect for, that, for the season that they had. I guess I would say if either of those two teams are on, you could see them ending up deep deep in the tournament. Uh, Alabama, I'd say less so. I think Alabama plays good enough defense most of the time. They can p- probably overcome some nights where they don't play so well. But for LSU, if their offense is on, that is going to be a tough out for somebody. My apologies to you, Nate Oates. I've said all along, I've texted Derek 15 times that I, I said Alabama's going to be an early out in the NCAA tournament. I sat down and watched two full games. And they won both of them in, with completely different styles. Like they survived the Tennessee game because of their defense. And in today, they they look, it looked, did, it, did you think that watching that game, that Alabama just had it easy? Like it just felt like everything that they got was easy. But then LSU literally, like it seemed like every basket they had, like, I mean, it's, Watford literally threw one in with his wrist for an and one. And just yeah, on a putback. Yeah, it yeah. was, it seemed like it was, if you played that game ten times, I think Alabama wins at seven or eight. That's how honestly. I just felt like LSU literally had to have their best, be their best they today. Have a great effort, yeah. and they still didn't beat Alabama. I didn't I think. Listen, I didn't think Alabama was that good. I'm sorry. Even when they went sixteen and two in the league, I thought it had more to do with the league not being very good, because this is an Alabama team that did lose to Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Didn't they lose that in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge? Yeah. Yeah, it was the first time they'd lost. And they also lost to Missouri, I think, pretty soon after that, right? Yeah. So, like, I just didn't think. But here's the thing, too. They take on the reputation and the attitude of their head coach. Like, that – I'm sorry. when What he said, if it had been anyone other than Will Wade on the sideline when he was like, get the out of here, I probably would have been like, man, you know, act like you've been there. But here's the thing. Every other coach in college basketball right there was probably like, you know what, I would have loved to have done the exact same thing to Will Wade. How's that guy nah, still on a sideline? No, nah, Sean Miller's like, I think y'all are a little tough on uh, Will Wade. I don't know why y'all are being so mean to him. <laughs> uh, him and those other coaches. No, I, I agree. I think that will be the consensus form from that is that Nate Oates is a badass and that uh, Will Wade deserved, deserved that. But that was a game full of emotion, though. I mean, both coaches, both sidelines. I mean, that was, it was a great college basketball game. I thought it was great for the SEC I know historically and rightfully so the SEC basketball, the league, the the conference tournament is more often than not associated with Kentucky because Kentucky's won it like 31 of the, I don't know, 50, 60 times they've played it. Um, Alabama's second with eight titles now. 
yeah, so Alabama just 23 behind Kentucky now. Long way to go. They could get there. Uh, but it was a great showing, I thought, for the SEC without what you would presume to be, I mean, over the course of our lifetime anyway. I mean, I know LSU's been to a Final Four. I think 06 they went to a Final Four. But, like, two teams that, yes, very much are associated with football in the conference putting on a great performance on the basketball court. I thought that was great. Um but, Sean, there, that wasn't the only thing happening this weekend. Obviously, talked some U.K. basketball with Cam Fletcher. We've talked a little uh, SEC tournament. Also, some football recruiting, some some rather big football recruiting news, actually, I would say. Two things. We'll start with the – you want to start with the positive or the negative, Sean? Which one do you, wanna, which one do you want me to start with? Let's go negative, and then we'll wrap it up negative. with positive. I like it. I like it. So negative is this, and I kind of hinted at this a little bit a few shows ago, kind of with a – bit of a questioning way I said it, was uh, Gavin Wimpsett, the quarterback we've talked about from Owensboro, a top 100 kid, four-star quarterback, late Friday night, I'm talking like after midnight on the East Coast here in the Eastern time zone, received a crystal ball pick from Steve Wolfong, which is basically money. Uh, you can take it to the bank if Steve Wolfong is is doing these predictions because he does not typically put in a crystal ball prediction unless he knows, has a very good feel for what's going on. But Gavin Wimpsett to drum roll. Rutgers, which would be very would be very surprising uh, on the surface. It's a, that's a hard one to explain. I'm not going to try to spin it. And I will wait to get my full opinion on this if the commitment does come. But typically, especially now with the quarterback dominoes falling across the college football landscape, I'm thinking if a prediction has been put in by Steve Wolfong for Gavin, it will probably not be too much longer before you hear something official on that. But would be um, certainly something I have plenty of thoughts on, but I do want to wait until uh, until something happens. And I should add, too, uh, Steve did say that he has not heard that this is a done deal, that it's just his feel. It's his pulse on the recruitment right now is that Rutgers is ahead. But he put in on the crystal ball scale a confidence level of seven, which, which falls under the high category. So you certainly pay attention to it and uh, – that that would be the negative to go with because he's a top-rated kid in your state, a quarterback, which is typically a position you view as a leader to recruit other kids in the class. So I have plenty of thoughts on it. I'm sure you do too. We can wait, though, until whenever that might happen. But the positive news, and I earned a Mark Stoops Yahtzee, which is a big deal. It's a big, and, big deal, especially Stoops, on a Friday yeah, night. On a Friday night. I, I don't know what you thought. I thought it was going to be Wimpsett, though, whenever I saw him tweet. When I, when I saw it, well, I have I have you on notification. And I saw okay. where you quote tweeted it, and I thought, and I didn't have a chance to work. But then it comes through that it's cornerback Andre Stewart, uh, a guy that was coveted, that's yes. certainly a talented player that Kentucky, now you start to see that secondary for the future kind of piecing together. And should say, too, this was one that Anwar Stewart and Steve Klinkscale had their hands on. That's a big one for Anwar Stewart. He, he He's a U.K. alum. Has been around. He he. Held, I can't remember if he how much he actually played a role in helping Justin Rogers, those guys get here because I don't think he could actually really recruit in his grad assistant role prior to leaving for App State. But he came through last year. Devontae Ross, everyone who thinks he's going to be one of the sleepers of the class, he came through, got him, and then dipping in here. I mean, Andre Stewart. I read a story, one of the most recent stories, I think, from like even just a few days ago. Because this commitment was pretty much out of nowhere. Uh, didn't even have him on UK's radar, to be honest with you, which which is not that unusual this time of year because there are so many targets out there still. But Andre was an Auburn commit, 
Uh, he had been decommitted since, I believe, Gus Malzahn left. But Auburn was still recruiting him pretty hard. Tennessee was on him, Oregon, Mississippi State, and then Boston College. And let me say this about Boston College. They, under that new staff, um, they, they they recruit some really good kids. Like, that's not one to kind of just turn your nose up to and say, oh, it's Boston College, an ACC school that doesn't win a ton. They had Trevin Wallace committed before Auburn got involved before Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, all these other SEC schools got involved. So they have an eye for talent as well, and they were recruiting him pretty hard. And I'll say this. He's a high three-star kid. He's actually – both commitments now, Jeremiah Caldwell and Andre Stewart, are cornerbacks. And Caldwell has the higher rating with the four-star. You didn't see that response from from Mark Stoops, Brad White, when Caldwell committed. That's not me saying that they don't like Caldwell. I just think – there's something. This, yeah, I think this is a big commitment if you have Mark Stoops tweeting about it on a Friday night and you have Brad White being fired out. I think this is a kid they really, really like. And uh, he's from the Atlanta area, so right there in the SEC hotbed. I think he's going to be a kid they're going to have to battle all the way till signing day four. But that's kind of the weird thing about the Wimps and stuff because it came out the same night, and I was sitting here thinking, I'm glad I didn't tweet it now, but I was ready to say that this this class has the potential to – and I still think this, even with or without Wimps, that – um, that it's going to be a chance to have to be their best class in 2022. But then that did kind of put a little bit of a damper, I would say, uh, the Wimpson stuff. But I would expect if he does choose to go elsewhere, you will see UK uh, maybe get some more commitments go public. But as it is, that, that DB class is already shaping up to be really nice, and it's not surprising because that's Mark Stoops. That's been his forte his whole career, yeah. not just as a DC, but also as a DB coach, and uh, they're off to a great start. It goes right back to what we were talking about last week, right? what does stories like Kelvin Joseph and Jamin Davis do oh, yeah. for your program? And then you see it, you know, kind of fall into place and right on cue, right? Spring practice begins. Mark Stoops will uh, meet with us tomorrow for the first time for the spring. So a full week of football interviews coming up, Derek. I, I think we're all ready for it, honestly. I am just, I mean, uh, I know some people are disappointed about the spring game and I get it that there won't be one, but the operation at Kroger Field, uh, I'm sure is not one that they can just set up and take down. And it's <laughs> one day. that gets us back to hopefully a, a so full, full stadium. One the fall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like that's the thing. Like what if you, what if they did take this down and you don't have full capacity in September, October, but if you keep this up, you might get it. Like there's a yeah. chance. There's a, there's a real chance. I honestly think that there's a really good chance. I'm starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel with this thing. And I don't know yeah, what the rules are or what, what you can be comfortable doing because you will not find more paranoid people than college football coaches or, or coaches in general, very, very paranoid species uh, that those guys are. But I know like with the Reds and it's different, it's baseball, it's just batting practice, you know, fielding practice, but like they would maybe periscope, but that's still a thing, but they would like tweet live tweet the practice or whatever. They did. And I'm not saying UK needs to do that for a whole, whole stint, but why not? If you're scrimmaging on Saturday, why not have 30 minutes available? <laughs> for people to watch on Twitter or whatever. And here's the other thing, right? It's a coach's dream to not have to play the spring game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's one less day you have to run your guys out there to risk injury going into the fall. But at the same time, we also know that this coaching staff likes to put on for Kentucky fans better than just about anyone. Like Mm -hmm. that they live for that. That's what they do. And uh, you don't get to do it. So it's two straight years without a spring game. But if you give me normal – football in the fall with a packed Kroger field, I'll take it every sure. single time. 
100%. So we'll, we'll have some exciting stuff coming up. I'm, we'll obviously have a Liam Cohen interview tomorrow, too. Coming tomorrow. Yeah, and speaking of – that's a good transition. I was going to say something about Cohen. I bet that is a guy who is probably – I don't know if they'll admit this – probably happy that uh, the quarterback competition will take place behind closed doors, especially with the addition of Will Levis, who won't be here at all, because – it's just me throwing it out there. Let's just say that maybe maybe he views Levis as the top guy. Well, if Bo goes out there and throws four touchdowns in the spring game, and then he doesn't – he gets the whole summer of Bo Allen hype from what he did in the spring game, you won't have that this year, for better or worse, because I think that also works in your favor when you have people really interested um, in what your program is doing. But I would say for him in a quarterback competition year, Probably, probably not the worst thing, especially yeah, with the new offense, too. And it could work the other way. I mean, you say, yeah, it's just a spring game, but if they went out there and looked terrible on offense, then, like, maybe you get some more questions. I just think for, for him, probably a good year not to have one. Uh, but for the fans, yeah, it, it may have sucks. But for what's taking place over there, it's an understandable thing. And like you said, the faster everybody can get vaccinated, the most efficiently way they can do it, all aspects of our lives could go be closer back to normal, not just playing football, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we'll have probably, I don't know what we'll do for tomorrow's show. Cause we already, like you said, we already have going John Hill still planning to be a guest for football. So there will be some more football talk this week, but you know, it's Kentucky heavy basketball school. I'm going to guess we end up talking some, some bracket bracketology, we, uh, even though UK won't be in it. We will be very busy. On Kentucky yes. Daily and the Cats Paws and Go Big Blue Country, it's going, it's going to be a busy time <laughs> here this spring for sure. Uh, even though the Cats aren't playing an NCAA tournament or the NIT, which is so bizarre to say, to think that they didn't even do enough to even get an NIT bid. But we might it's even better do though. Let's just, I mean, it is. No one is going to feel better about the NIT. So yeah, so let's just get next year's roster in place and, and get people excited for that. And we might even do some NCAA tournament talk too. Derek, we might we might go all in and discuss some of that. If, if that's something you all are interested in, let us know. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, if, if this is the first time you're hearing it, if you're picking this up from Blue Wire, smash that sub- subscribe button, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, all those podcast players. I know that we're able to see analytics a lot better now with what we're doing, and we can kind of see where we're coming from. And the most mind-blowing thing to both of us is how much of the United States that we've covered. Like, there are downloads coming in from every state, just about. Let us know. Like, if you're listening from California, hey, hey, I'm listening all the way from L.A. or Sacramento, Texas. Just let us know. We know we have listeners from Washington State. Uh, we see those in the reviews. So uh, Colorado. Colorado. I mean, they're, they're popping up everywhere. Uh, I think Georgia was like our second highest state, if I'm not mistaken, when it comes to downloads. So we're we're definitely grateful to be with Blue Wire and uh, we're honored that we uh, get to be such a significant part of your weekly routine, your daily routine, and we continue uh, to move this podcast forward with uh, wonderful listeners like you all, and um, we're just appreciative of it. Derek, I know this is something we're excited. We're Now this was episode 151 of the podcast, so moving quickly, we'll be thinking of something to do for episode 200 because that's going to come at a time where I think we'll have to get creative anyhow when it comes to off-season. Yeah. But – He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.